passion for you. Now, where's the fruit? And, uh, but then, you know, I was, you know God, just the truth of God's word just permeated my soul in relationship to his the word about baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'll just, just say it real quick, and then we'll get into details of it later. But, you know, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit one night as Paula slept in bed next to me. And I was just, all I was doing was just laying in bed, worshiping the Lord. And whammo! I mean, that's the only way to describe it right now. And at that point in time forward, the ministry which God had in my life changed. There was suddenly, there, were, there was power behind the things that was the call of God in my life. And so this baptism of the Holy Spirit, where we see, go to the next, if we go to the slides, in this, in Acts chapter 1, verse 5 and 8. And you may be sitting here today, and you may be like me, the first time I ever walked in a church, and all of a sudden somebody says, baptism of the Holy Spirit, I've never heard of such a thing. Well, in Acts 1, 5, Jesus says to the disciples, he says, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, he's speaking to this to the disciples. Now, what is the significance of this? But as he goes on, he describes this effect. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and as a result, you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. There it is. One of the places in Scripture we see the declarations were an invitation to receive power. And what I want to do this morning in, in talking about in just the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I could go through and use my life as a step-by-step thing, but the testimony in this area is we need word. We need scripture to base this on. You don't need words about God and words about a subject. In fact, when I was in the good old Baptist church, one of the things I said, you know, it's interesting, like 1 Corinthians chapter 13 in relationship to tongues, which many times occurs when baptism of the Holy Spirit occurs. And we're where it talks about in 1 Corinthians 13, 8, where that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. Well, the good old Baptist church that I was in was saying the perfect is the word of God, the culmination of the word of God, so there's no need for the gifts of the Spirit. There's no need for tongues. There's no need for prophecy. There's no need for miracles. But I'd listen to somebody else, and, and I'm going, and I'd see that same passage of Scripture referring to something else. In regard to like Jesus coming, and I'm going, okay, Lord, how can they take one passage of Scripture? I need a word from you to tell me what is the perfect that comes, that tells me that which is in part was done away with. Lord, I cannot have like some word from the Lord that God's, where God, you said to me. I can't have that, God. I need to have black and white. Because faith comes by what? Hearing and by hearing the word of God. And so, so as I searched the Scriptures one morning, I was having a quiet time, and all of a sudden, the Lord quickened to my heart to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7, where Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church, and we know the context in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 is all about the gifts of the Spirit. Where Paul says, he says, I would that you not lack any gift, any gift, awaiting the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Well, I know enough in Scripture that knows that the revelation of Jesus Christ is referring to his second coming, his unveiling when he appears in the sky. And all of a sudden I go, Lord, there's the word. There it is. That tells me that the gifts of the Spirit, the, the declaration of the church, is the church would not lack in any gift until the coming of Jesus Christ. That's the call for us. And so in the same way for you, I pray this morning that we, that we open the Scriptures and, and God gives you revelation. And this, so you can't just have a testimony of what happened in Rick Sizemore's life. But what we're going to do is take the Word of God in the testimony of Peter. Because Peter's life mirrors a lot of our lives. I know it mirrors my life. And let's just look at, look at Peter. If we notice, we're in, in Matthew chapter 16, where, where Jesus, you know, asked him, you know, whom do you say that I am? And Peter answered, says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said to them, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. And I say to you, but my Father who is in heaven, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. Go to the next slide, please. And the gates of Hades will not overpower it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you shall bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Peter makes this declaration. And, you know, and Peter all of a sudden, we know this because right after we see what he does, but he's going, dude, i got a destiny. I got destiny to partner with the kingdom of heaven, that which the church of Jesus Christ, the gates of Hades, cannot stand up against. There's this destiny. In fact, it's not only on Peter, it's on what? Us. I mean, you think about that, y'all. The gates of Hades cannot stand up to the church. That's why when you announce a church, it starts all of a sudden in the spiritual realm. Demons take notice to, to shut it down. Or dilute it down. But Peter having a destiny just like all of us. But, but like many of us, Peter was a man of self-sufficiency. And notice, well, we see a couple examples when Peter's life where this self-sufficiency just sort of reigned. You know, I love this boast here. Because Jesus is telling him, you know, people are going to, all are y'all going to leave me? And Peter goes, even though all may fall away because of you, I'll never fall. And Jesus said to him, truly, I, I say to you that this night, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter didn't hear it. So Peter said to them, all may die with you. I, I, even if I die, have to die, I'll die with you. I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing. I'm not God. I'm with you. I'm with you. Whenever I hear people making those kind of boasts, I just want to go, you stand right there. I'm going over here. <laughs> when people start making, I want to go overseas. I want to cast out devils. I want to see signs. What are all the dog doing stuff? I'm going, you go ahead. I'll hang out over here. I'm just going to do what Jesus is doing and let him do the show. Because I get nervous when people start boasting about our sufficiency in ourselves. It's all about Jesus doing the work. It's not about us. It's about him. Such confidence we have Christ toward Christ or God. That we do not consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy comes from God. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Not only Peter's boasting, but I get this. He's the self-appointed defender of Jesus. When they came to get him, I love this, this story here. And uh, 
Behold, one of those who were with him, Peter, when they came to get Jesus, they came with swords and clubs and everything, and those who were with him reached and drew out his sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. Go to the next slide, please. Then Jesus said to him, but before Jesus said it to him, he reaches down, grabs the guy's ear, and puts it back on. That is so cool to me. Dude, if I was one of those persons hanging around there, and when he said, I, whom do you seek? I am he. And they all fell out in the spirit. They literally did. They all fell out as dead men. They get up. Peter does this little thing here, kung fu thing, cuts the guy's ear off. Jesus reaches down and puts the boy's ear back on. I'd have gone, you cool, bro. I'm out of here. <laughs> I mean, that just shows you the spirit of deception. But anyway, it's interesting to me, Peter Peter, Jesus says to Peter, put your sword back into its place, and all, for all those who take up the sword shall perish by the sword. Do you not think that I could appeal to my father, and he could give 12 legions of angels? Do you realize how many 12 legions of angels? One legion was 12,000 troops. So 144,000 angels would be, Jesus says, come. And Peter's there with his sword. <laughs> you know? I feel like that many times. I'm your defender, Jesus. I'll defend the righteousness of truth. And Jesus said, who are you? You know, I mean, who are you? Why do you have to defend me? <laughs> That's Peter. I'll never deny you. I'm, I'm your man, Jesus. Mike, yesterday, uh, was telling us about this minister. Who I can't, I'll probably get blocked at Mike, but about this guy had a, mindset that he was a minister of the gospel. Is that how it was? And then all of a sudden he reads, how did, how did it go? It's God's show. It's not ours. And that's where Peter was stuck. He was, it's about me, and God, I'm your defender. Not only thing, it's going to notice to how though that, you know how it is, and every time that somebody really literally, when we take that place, just like Mike says, that we're, well, I'm your minister, God. You know, uh, it leads to, you know, sticking your foot in your mouth in some way, shape, or form. And that's sort of what we see with Peter where he ends up as a defeated man, where Jesus told him, he says, Peter, you're going to deny me. In this passage of Scripture, but Peter was following at a distance, and after they kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard, this is after Jesus was arrested, Peter followed along behind, and they, and they sat down together, and Peter was sitting among them, and a, and a servant girl, just a little girl, says, seeing him, and he sat in, as he sat in the firelight, and looking intently at him, said, this man was with him too, but Peter denied it. 
Woman, I don't know him. Go on to the next slide. A little later, another man saw him and said, you're one of them too. But Peter said, man, I'm not. And after about an hour had passed, another man began to insist, certainly this man was also with him, for he's a Galilean too. And go to the next slide. And all of a sudden, Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. I think it's in the book of John where it says that Peter cussed. I don't know the bleep, bleep. I mean, he's, he's kind of whatever. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he told him, before a rooster crows today, you'll deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Defeat all over Peter. All over. But it's really interesting to me after this event, where Peter denies him, you know it. How is, go to the next slide, is, is that we're, you know, Jesus is crucified. He's raised from the raised from the dead, and immediately comes back to the disciples. And he imparts to them the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 20, verse 21, when he, all of a sudden, he's in the, you know, how the disciples in the room, and he appears in the room, and he says to them, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. Now, you got to realize, the Spirit of God is not in them. Where Jesus had not yet been raised from the dead. He had not been yet glorified. And that has nothing to do with raised from the dead, to be honest with you. I don't have time to go into those details right now. But real literally, he's in the room with them. And so Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I send you. And he said, at, when he had said this, notice this phrase, very important. He, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Literally, the Greek word there is the Greek word in effusin. Effusin means to breathe on. I mean, yeah, breathe on. But it puts the prefix in, in before it in the Greek. In, and so it literally means he breathed on into them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. See, here's where the disciples were indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And, uh, uh, because it's interesting to me, right immediately after this, one of the persons who was not in the room was Thomas. And so Thomas is, is he's, not in, he's not there. So he's not there when Jesus breathes on into them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And so Pete, uh, Thomas goes, uh, I'm not going to believe it unless I can see the nail prints in his hand or, or the, the, the whatever it was in the side. And, uh, and so Jesus shows him and says, be not you know, unbelieving, but believing. And all of a sudden, Thomas says this, my Lord, my God. Well, that's the resurrected Lord. He just declared lordship. What does Romans 10, 9 say? If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. What? You'll be saved. Thomas was the first New Testament example of salvation. Because when Thomas confessed that, we know like in Ephesians 1.13, after listening to the message of the gospel of salvation, having also believed, you're sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. You're his. Thomas received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But yet, like many of us, like for me, getting saved when I was 16 with the destiny of God on my life, but many times shrinking back from things that God, the cause of God in my life, and so 
Jesus doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop there imparting into them the Spirit of God because we like we talked about this weekend about God's presence. God's presence in us is the main exhortation that God is with us. The exhortations, the declarations that, that we're His, God's Spirit declares into our hearts, you know, Abba, Father, God's Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. But there's this other call of God in our lives to make a difference. And that's why after this, and like just before he goes up to heaven in Luke 24, 48 and 49, where we see where the declaration, you are witnesses of these things. And this is where he's talking about literally the gospel, how he would suffer and die on the cross and such like that. For you are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father, important here, preposition, upon you, and you shall stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Clothed, like putting on this coat. Power. For what? Verse 48, to be witnesses. And so, so there's, a, there's a promise for us to be clothed with power. Go to Acts chapter 1, verse 5 and 8. This is a past scripture we started out, where Jesus promises it. John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And it's important, this word here, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Interesting thing about that Greek word for receive. Many times in the circles I came, came from, people would tell me, when you get saved, you receive all the Holy Spirit you'd ever receive. That's not true. We know that when you're that when we're born again, four things do occur. You're sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. You're given the earnest of the Spirit that declares you're his. You're anointed with the Spirit. In other words, setting you apart. You are indwelt with the Spirit of God. All of those occur at salvation. However, we know without a shadow of a doubt, Ephesians 5.18 says, Be not drunk with wine where is excess. Be filled with the Spirit. That is not a one-time event. That is a present passive imperative verb, means continuous action. Where we see in the book of Acts, in the first four chapters of the book of Acts, Peter was filled with the Spirit three times. We know that, that one of the facets of the Holy Spirit is walking in the Spirit, where it says if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. In other words, you don't sin. Is there a person in here that's got saved and once they were born again, must be Ernie, that he's never sinned? You know, you know, son, is that right, Ernie? But anyway, no, no. I mean, I know, I'm no Ernie. <laughs> he's a great brother, but he's been like me. There's been moments of time that his mind focused not on the things of the spirit, but on the things of the flesh, and he walked in the flesh. He sinned. And so, but then here's the reality here is that Jesus is offering the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and he declares this to us. And uh, an interesting thing about this, where I've heard many times people say, well, if God wants me to have it, I'll have it. That's not true. You've heard me talk about the Greek verb many times in this place, that how really the Greek verb really describes our relationship with God and how, how the Greek verb corresponds to the subject in a sentence. There's really three facets of how a Greek verb will respond to the subject. One is passive, in other words, where the subject receives the action. 
Y'all heard me probably use this illustration where passive would be where Rick was hit by the ball. The other would be like active. In other words, where Rick uh, threw the ball. But there's another one that's very important, which is called middle voice, which means the subject participates in the action. Like Rick hit himself with the wall, the ball. And so, so, you know, when we think about this word, the interesting thing about this Greek word receive here, it's not passive. So we're in other words, we're, okay, if God wants me to have it, I have it. And you wait. And wait. It's not active where you just go grab whatever. But it's interesting to me, it's middle voice. It's where it's literally like this. We're like, I say, Mitch, you're on my cell phone. <laughs> you want my cell phone? Yeah. Take it. You remember that not too long ago, I did an illustration of this where I held out, what's it, $5? $10? And who was it? You got it? I said, anybody who wants $10? And I think I did. I just held it up here like this. And Ben got up out of his seat and came and got the $10. Because how much was it? Was it 10 bucks? I'm broke today. I can't do it. But that word receive power, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. In other words, God said, I'm holding it out. Take it. Take it. Receive it. An interesting thing, um, in the, I see in the word of God where there's two ways that baptism of the Holy Spirit is imparted. One is just by seeking God, where you see in Acts chapter 2, and the, they're in the upper room praying and seeking the Lord, the 120 people, and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. But another way is, it, you see another example of it in Acts chapter 10, where Peter's just preaching the gospel to Cornelius and his family. These people are seeking and hungry after the Lord, and while he's speaking, the Holy Spirit just, boom, baptizes them in the Holy Spirit. But then there's two other examples we see in the Word of God, like in Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 19, where the baptism of the Holy Spirit is imparted by the laying on of hands. We're like in Acts chapter 8, Peter and John come down from Jerusalem and lay hands on the people in Samaria, and they're baptized with the Holy Spirit. Or in Acts chapter 19, where Paul runs into some disciples of John, who, you know, they've been baptized with the baptism of John, and they say, you know, well, what, you know, Paul asked him, wonder what baptism have you been baptized with? And he goes, well, we baptism of John. And he goes, oh, no, the baptism of John is just a baptism of repentance, to believe in him who's coming after him. And it says this, after they were baptized, Paul lays hands on them, and the Spirit of God came upon them, upon them. So we're talking about this power, God saying, receive it. Can you say this with me? Just repeat after me. God says, Receive it. So, question is, do you receive it? Second thing, important thing about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that what God's saying in this, in this declaration of, in Luke chapter 28, you'll be clothed power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Go to the next slide if you would, is that you'll see a, a significant preposition difference between upon and in the greek word epi and the greek word in en instead of in 
but literally, anytime you see this upon, you know it's talking about the Spirit of God coming on you. When you see in, it's referring to the Spirit of God coming and indwelling you. And so, so like here's, I just picked two of the examples in Acts 1.8, where you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Or in Acts chapter 19, when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them. So it's, when we see this, it's, you know, it's just, this is upon. Now, another important distinction, I just wanted to clear about this in Acts, this Luke chapter 24 passage and also the Acts 1 passage. Let's go to the next slide, please. And uh, that every time baptism of the Holy Spirit occurs, it's subsequent to salvation in the book of Acts. Here's, I did, again, uh, I, did, I picked a couple examples out here in Acts chapter in Acts chapter 10 is where Jesus and Peter speaking to Cornelius' crew and they get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Peter comes back to Jerusalem and he's telling the other Jews what's happened with these Gentiles. And, and you get a real clear, clear picture of this. Notice what it says here. When I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Get that? just as he did upon us in the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how the Lord used to say, John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if God gave to them the same gift as he gave to us after what? Believing. So when we talk about his baptism of the Holy Spirit, we're talking about an event that's subsequent to salvation. Now, sometimes people can get so waxed on their salvation experience from the Lord that everything occurs. But I just say this to you, in the book of Acts, it was not so. In the book of Acts, the four times we see baptism and spirit occur, Acts 2 with the disciples on the day of Pentecost, Acts 8 with Peter, I mean, uh, the people at Samaria where Philip is preaching and people are being believing and are being baptized Peter and John come down and lay hands on them that they may be, the Spirit of God may come upon them. Acts chapter 10, you've just seen that here with Cornelius. Acts chapter 19. Let's go to the next slide. I think I pulled it out here. Acts 19. When they, these are the disciples of John, heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. So this baptism of the Holy Spirit that I'm talking about is talking about an event subsequent to salvation. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're saved. Jesus dwells in you. The Spirit of God is in you. But you have a destiny to make a difference in this world. And God is calling you to be empowered to make the difference. And so, so anyway, let's go to Acts 2. Go to the next slide. Where Peter's life, all of a sudden, um, wait a minute, I think I got something out of order here. I skipped over something, I think. Interesting thing to me, y'all, that I don't know, I, don't, I, I skipped it over here. Jesus breathes on into them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. So he, Peter's indwelt with spirit. But we see in Acts chapter 21, the last chapter in the book of John. No, it's not Acts 21. I'm sorry, John chapter 21. 
Last chapter in John. And Peter's there, you know, after this experience with Jesus, because that occurred in, in John chapter 20. And, and here, Peter's there, and he goes, I'm going fishing, y'all. I'm going fishing. So he goes back, and he just starts fishing. And that's where you'll notice the title in this thing above this section where the transformation of Peter from a fisher of men, I mean from a fisher of fish to a fisher of men. And that's where you see in John chapter 21 that where uh, when Jesus shows up on the scene, the disciples are out there fishing. Jesus tells them to put the casting net on the other side of the boat. The disciples, all of a sudden, they start pulling this net of fish in that, that was massive. The disciples recognize that's Jesus. Peter jumps in the water. I used to think he jumped in the water to go to Jesus. But the reality is, when you find out the disciples pull up on the shore, they go to Jesus, and it says, Peter is there down, the paraphrase is, he's down there with the fish. When Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? You know what the these refers to? It refers to the fish. You, you look at the, you can tell the case of the pronoun. It refers back to the case of the noun of the fish. How many times in our lives, y'all, did we see people get saved? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they got the Spirit of God's in them. But they do not walk their destiny, so they end up doing that which they did in the beginning. It is, if fishermen aren't fishing, they're fighting. If fishermen aren't fishing, they're getting drunk. I live on Lake Okeechobee. There's, Commercial fishing is big there. If fishermen aren't fishing for men, you're fighting or getting drunk. Some way, shape, or form. <laughs> Some, whatever. Intoxicated with the things of the world. But anyway, so Jesus had promised this, and here Peter is. He's going on, and all of a sudden Jesus says, there is this promise, y'all. Go to Jerusalem and wait. So they go to Jerusalem, 120 of them, they go into the upper room, and they're praying and seeking the Lord. 50 days after Jesus dies on the cross. 50 days. All of a sudden, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, we see. It says, all of a sudden, the sound of a mighty wind came, and tongues of fire came, and distributing themselves, and rested on, very important, the tongues of fire rested on them when the Spirit of God came on Jesus as a dove, on Jesus as a dove. The Spirit of God rested, as tongues of fire rested on them, and they were all filled and filled. There's two things that occurred on the day of Pentecost. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they were filled. And it's like a, sort of like this, uh, um, you know, two things occurring. That, that conjunction there, Rick walked, and he is catching the water bottle. And that's stretching me. So, <laughs> Two things are occurring. The Spirit of God came on them, and they're filled with the Spirit. Baptized in the Holy Spirit. We saw the Acts chapter 11 passage where Peter's describing it to them in Jerusalem. It happened just like it did with us. And here's an important thing to occur. Then notice here. Where it says, here, it says, the Spirit of God came on there, filled with the Spirit of God, and they began to speak with other tongues. 
And here, it's important to catch here that the evidence, many times there is an evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Four times, as I told you in the book of Acts, evidence, uh, I mean, people are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Three times in the book of Acts, we see evidence is recorded. The fourth time in Acts chapter 8, we do not see anything recorded. And I don't like speaking into stuff. But the evidences we see many times are, are like here in Acts 2, speaking in tongues. Acts chapter 10, they're speaking with tongues and exalting God. In Acts chapter 19, the Holy Spirit came on them again, speaking with tongues and prophesying. Two things are occurring. Two things. Some of them are speaking in tongues. Some are prophesying. And so, you know, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit laying in bed just seeking the Lord. I, the evidence of it was I started speaking with tongues. There's some of you in this room that you were literally in that place, and I know that when you got baptized in the Holy Spirit, you just started glorifying God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like this. Oh, yeah. You know, whatever. And some of you prophesied. Some of you, nothing happened. Nothing. But God's promise is true. The power is given. And so I don't want to get in and declare that if you haven't been, if you don't speak in tongues, you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. But I do know this, that when people are baptized in the Holy Spirit, many times there is an impartation of that which either tongues, prophesying, glorifying God, whatever. And uh, whatever it is, and it's God's show. And so, but here's the cool thing for me. Where Peter was a guy just wanting to go stick with the fish, shrinking back from the call of God in his life, just wanting to do what he did in the past, all of a sudden he gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God comes on him, and immediately, y'all, he preaches, and get this, and Peter, taking his sand with the 11, raised his voice and declared, now, y'all, this is the guy that denied Jesus three times with a little girl. Now, he takes his stand in the middle of Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. And y'all, do you realize this? The same people that just hung Jesus on a cross are there? And all of a sudden, he stands up in the middle of it, and he starts to preach. But he just don't preach, y'all. Three Thousand people are saved. No, no, it's going to the next slide. Where Acts chapter 4, guys healed. The guy at the gate, beautiful. We'll talk about that in a second. Peter preaches again. 5,000 people are saved. Not only that, right after that, he's in there in the middle of the, of the Sanhedrin. And notice this passage. Then Peter filled with the Spirit. You know how it is, you're just sitting there and Worship all of a sudden, the Spirit of God comes in you. I got something to say. I got something to say. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Jesus. Come on. Come on. Fill with the Holy Spirit. And you get up and, yeah. And that's what Peter done. He's been baptized with the Spirit. Boldness comes in him, being filled with the Spirit. He speaks and he preaches to the, the, uh, to the Pharisees and the religious leaders, preaching with power. That's why probably Agni, Tony, uh, could tell you that 
probably, well, she probably, she didn't know me before I got baptized in the Spirit. But I mean, huh? Did you? Ah, you got saved before. You knew of me, but I, you didn't know me then. But, but when I started baptizing the Holy Spirit, that's when crazy stuff started happening in my life. Now, the crazy thing was, in my life, Paula was being a good Baptist in those days, and she wanted to have nothing to do with this tongue stuff and this baptism of the Holy Spirit stuff. Now, God, her testimony in this area is really awesome, and I wish we could turn her loose in this too, because uh, she had to deal with me. I was a charismaniac. I think about Mark Twain where he talks about with a 16-year-old where he's supposed to put him just in a barrel and feed him through a hole in the barrel, you know. I think he said about a teenager or something like that, which is not a cool thing. I don't believe in that. But, but, I, but I thought about me. The first, when I first got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I needed to be put in a barrel. I would lay hands on Paul at night when she was asleep. I'd go, Jesus, slap her down with the Holy Spirit. Lord, that'll teach her. Lord, that'll teach her not to deny this, Lord, in Jesus' name. And I know God was saying, Boy, I'm going to slap you down. Because <laughs> God was just ever so tender with Paula and doing a work with Paula. And it was a beautiful thing in what he did with Paula in spite of me. I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> I wish I could claim something of it. <laughs> it, was, it was. It was in spite of me. It was. It was bad. It was bad. How not to do it. I'm the poster child. <laughs> I not to love people into this. And that, that's the really cool thing about it for us is that I know that's why God did it that way, is that, you know, our relationship adds balance in how to do it, how to walk in this compassion and, and care and concern and allow God to do a work. Because many times process is more important than the event. Many times I'm sitting here talking about this stuff Many of you in this room are going, I don't know about this stuff. And you know what God says? That's cool. That's cool. What does it say in Acts 17, verse 11? Those in Berea were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica because they searched the scriptures diligently to see whether these things are so. That's okay. Search it out. Search it out. But we see in Peter's life, we see the change that we're all of a sudden, his preaching is with power. Not only his preaching, let's go to the next slide in Acts chapter 3, where you see Peter and John coming in, into the gate beautiful. Now, you've got to realize this now, y'all. The disciples and the, 100, and the 70, when Jesus is on the scene, they're ministering out from under his authority and power. And that's an important thing to note, y'all, because, you know, sometimes, you know, there's some of us can come along like, you know, somebody like me who's not really a prophetic, and I can come around and hang around Driscoll and start hanging around Driscoll, you know, and, and we do a conference together or something, and all of a sudden I start prophesying. Dude, yeah, this prophetic gift's rising up in me. Yeah. But I don't realize I'm walking under the prophetic ministry of Jim and not, it's not mine. I'm just sort of flowing out from under his. Ministry, And that's what was happening to disciples. But all of a sudden, when Jesus dies, he goes to heaven, and he's in heaven. And they're 
Peter is ministering, he's operating out of the power of God as it responds and correlates to him. Not It's not his power. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit that is on Peter. So that when Peter goes into the gate beautiful and there's a man lame from birth, and this guy is wanting silver, you know, alms, and Peter says, I do not possess silver or gold. But what I do have in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up immediately. His feet and then the ankles were strengthened. With, lit, with it, he leapt upright and began to walk. That's power, y'all. Remember Jim Ebel telling me, he says, you know, the thing that we need in our church today, you know, there's, a, there's authority and we're believing the word in relationship to healing, but we need the power, the visitation of power. And there's... And so in relationship to this, you see Peter's ministry and the thing, the call of God in his life starting to manifest. And if Peter says something in Acts chapter 3, verse 16, it's very important because there's some people in this room that are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And God was telling me about this, Robbie. If you want to come on up. Um, God was telling me about this as I was praying, and he, he reminded me of this passage, Acts chapter 3, verse 16. This is after Peter raised the guy up. And the power that was within him, you know, uh, flowed out. The working of God flowed out. Um, you know, in this place, what released that power was faith. I remind you of the woman who had the issue of blood. And she come up to Jesus and she go, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I would be healed. Faith releases the power. Faith executes the power. Notice this. On the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. The faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. What am I saying? There's two groups of people that God is really highlighting here this morning, and that's why we're preaching this. First is a group of people that you've, you've been saved. Maybe you haven't been saved. Maybe, I, maybe there's three groups. You don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And let me just say this to you. You don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Let me tell you something. You're missing out on the most exciting life there is. I mean, I'll be honest with you. If just having Jesus here is given me and heaven was never promised me, it's been worth it. It's a crazy life. You know, crazy. When you just be Jesus, not be Jesus, but allow Jesus to be Jesus in your life. So maybe the people in here who've never known Jesus, your Lord and Savior, I mean, there's an invitation here for today. The second group of people, though, you've been saved, but you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You have never been in that place that where the power of God has come upon you, and God's declaring, you shall be my witnesses. You will make a difference. And the third group of people that the Lord told me about this morning are the people who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit and have not been walking in it. They have not been by faith allowing the power of God in your life to flow out of others. Whatever reason, some of it in here, people have they've uh, become weary with the, quote, Christian life, and you just want to be fit into this world and fit. And just have your 2.5 kids and be married and, and go on. And uh, 
you know, whatever. Uh, some of you, y'all, uh, the Lord just told me to come to disillusioned with this. And God is just really just saying, dwelling place, awaken. It's time, y'all, for, I'm going to say it this way, it's time to have fun. It's time to have fun seeing people get saved in grocery stores and in, in uh, restaurants, it's time in your jobs. It's time for your neighbors to get saved. It's time for, for the sick to be healed wherever we go. It's time for the people to get delivered. For a friend of mine who is on a Greyhound bus traveling, and he goes up to the, the bus driver and he says, Hey, uh, can I preach? Can I borrow your microphone? It just so happened, this was a Greyhound bus, and he was traveling across the country, and the, the, the bus driver was a Pentecostal preacher. <laughs> and he said, yeah, here. So my friend goes, ah, excuse me, y'all. He preached, and people got saved on the bus. That's fun. You know, we're not sitting here wanting to get, I'll just get all nice and neat Christians and stuff like that. Dude, let's shake it up. It's just, y'all, if you're bored in your Christian life, it's not the Christian life. <laughs> yeah, think about it. Every place that Jesus went when he was on this earth never stayed the same. I mean, he was a terrible pastor in the area. You got a funeral, and people are trying to be sad. And he raises people from the dead. That is not good. Oh, yeah, it is good. <laughs> you know, somebody's trying to be manifest a demonic spirit. How dare him cast spirits into pigs and down the foot of this. Oh, it is fun to see God exercise his power in and around us in expressing his love to other people. And y'all, let me just put this in here, y'all. I, I went on one side and talked about fun. And then it's cool. But I'll tell you what it's really all about. It's really all about love. Because I know what it's like to sit in front of somebody. I, I'll never forget. This was occurred before I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. There was a guy named Herbie. Herbie was a guy from Belle Glade, Florida. And Herbie was dealing with alcohol, alcoholism. And Herbie knew that I loved Jesus, and people told me, told him that here's this Rick Sizemore dude, he loves Jesus. And, you know, I'd worked in Belgrade, which is 60 miles, 50-some miles from Okeechobee. But Herbie came, and he would come to our house. And I think back now, the things that I said to him did not set him free. Not cool. Not cool. And I just declare that God is giving us the power to make a difference. And so what we want to do is, is we just want to go into this place. Robbie, let's start. We just want to just go into a time of worship. And those, you know, those, if you're in one of those places, or whatever, just some of the things I was saying this morning was touching your heart. Just meditate on it. Just meditate on it and allow God to still work in your heart. You have anything you'll say?
And uh, Tulio said, parents, you may want to pick up your, your children. And so, elementary, elementary children, elementary children. So, cool. Robbie?